Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your featured host, Shah McCain, a forensics counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shah introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as Staff Pick. And now for your host, Shaw McCain. Wow. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be with you from uh, beautiful Los Angeles, California. I hope everybody is well. And as to be expected, we are now in the... uh, era of the lockdown due to the (laughs) anyway through the virus and I just am praying for all those that are sick and and those that have passed on God bless you all and may your souls rest easy and also uh, those of us that are uh, locked down and really don't like it too much um, we're going to do this together and uh we have, a, I just want to welcome everybody in for the show tonight, and we're being broadcast all over the world, and I'm very proud to to know some special friends that uh, are, are tuning in from everywhere, and I want to let you know that I love you guys, God bless you, and everything's going to be okay. I know the world has turned topsy-turvy, and uh, but spiritually speaking, this is the time to start praying to your higher power and going with the spiritual feeling and and do not fear. And in the Bible it says fear not, and that's what we're going to do is none of us are going to fear. Uh, Tonight uh, our topic is uh, is very unusual. Our guest speaker is Paul Vichet, and uh, he has an awesome story to tell. And I'm going to read his biography, and then we're going to welcome him into the show. Paul Vichet was born in Trieste, Italy and came to the United States when he was with his parents at the age of three. He has lived most of his life in Chicago, uh, in the Chicago suburbs, and he graduated from the University of Illinois with a degree in architecture design. Soon after, he joined the Air Force to be a civic engineering officer, where he had an experience that caused him to be cynical of the conventional wisdom. After 13 years, he left and practiced architecture in Illinois. And he's in, he is currently employed by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Paul lives with his wife, Janice, and two rescue dogs, Moligli and Mila, in rural West Virginia, where they can see a beautiful canopy of stars. And I want to let you right, know right off, his website is www.thedisclosureparadox.com. And at this point, I'm going to welcome in our guest tonight, Let me get him on the phone. Hold on one minute. Give me a minute here while I dial in. I get a little bit quiet at this point because I don't want to make a mistake and I want to blow up the universe. Paul. 
Hi, Paul. This is uh, Charlene McCain from the Paranormal and Sacred. We want to welcome you to the show tonight. Well, thank you very much for having me. I very appreciate it. Now, it's uh, it's exciting to have you. You have an awesome book, The Disclosure Paradox, that you've authored, and uh, it's very interesting. And uh, I'm really happy to have you aboard. And how are you guys doing in the corona issue here? Well, uh, work-wise, uh, everyone in our office of about 350 are teleworking. And we're kind of used to doing that because we do a lot of our work um, overseas anyway. So um, it hasn't impacted me greatly. Um, we live in a town of about 350. Um, our our uh, county that we are in, which is the largest county in West Virginia, um, had only two uh, individuals that were tested positive, um, and it's grown to six, but um, it's been steady. The state of West Virginia, however, uh, is not not as good. You know, that thank God there's only like two in your town, but, you know, this is a, a worldwide phenomenon, and uh, things have changed quite drastically in the last few weeks and uh, it's got us all concerned and uh, as I put it with a friend when we were talking about it I was saying well God has put us on a lockdown right now so we all have to reevaluate ourselves and just uh, find out where we're at it's uh, it's quite a new world yeah for, for uh, people that are used to being social or people that have uh, a lifestyle that um, the social and uh, and a a, uh, a way of life where they depend on um, social contact uh, for interaction or you know making a, a way of living. Uh, it it's tough. Uh, fortunately, I'm I'm not one of those people. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, quite uh, alarming, and uh, I'm not. I think I'm going to be talking about this uh, next week, but uh, I have read part of, uh, I've read your book, and I want to tell, yeah, I want to tell people right off the bat, um, first of all, everybody go get his book, The Disclosure Paradox. You can find it on Amazon and Goodreads and stuff like that, but it was actually on page Two sixty-eight. A little bit of a prophecy you have said here. You know what I'm referring to? Uh, let me get my my own novel here, and I'll, I'll check it out. Sixteen, huh? Okay. Does that, yeah, I'd love for you to read it to us. Two sixty-eight, and it's the the well about the second paragraph. Okay. Um, hold on. I, Um, you know what happens is that the, the novel, okay. the version that I have right now in my hand is is uh, the original version, and I had yeah. a second publication done because I took care of some um, errors that uh, were yeah kind of uh, bothering me, but I do have another. 
content is so fascinating. And what it starts with, allow me to finish. So if I'm to succeed in my assignment as counselor and reformer, I need to have all the information to do it with confidence. And then uh, the response is very well, Lewis, proceed. And then thank you. This is this is the paragraph. It's, it's, uh, do you have the same one there? Um, okay, I just have the... Do you want me to read it? Yeah, go ahead, read it. Okay. You say that the earth humans are to remain under the universal quarantine until they are mature spiritually. There are many, many good people on this planet in all countries that lead their lives in the sincere belief that they are spiritual and doing the right by their God. If they are not allowed to know about the existence of other races on earth or in the universes, how would they know that they need to mature spiritually? How can they fix themselves if they do not know they are broken? I found that pretty profound in light of what's going on right now. That is interesting. Um, and, you know, I certainly had no intention of, of making that connection. But uh, uh, it, it goes to show you that uh, there are certain concepts that I have in, in the novel that uh, transcend um, the present, you know? Exactly. That's why it, it struck me that um, that you have, of course, I, I know a lot of the people that are in your book, and it's very interesting, your take on it. And you have a lot of experience in this whole realm. And uh, it's, it's just, uh, you know, profound. And I want everybody to go out and get his book, The Disclosure Paradox, as, as soon as you can. And it's also available on Kindle. And I'm, I wanted to ask you, um, how did you decide uh, – to write this in a novel form. Well, uh, interesting enough, I, I I had the idea that I had to um, somehow let people know uh, that things were happening to me uh, and and that I was getting these transmissions from uh, through the psychic woman that. Uh, you know, I, I call her my spiritual mentor, and um, the, the message was consistent. Where um, I had a role, and it, it had to do with being a counselor and informer, and I just was putting everything together: the the, the experiences that I had, the, the various dreams that I had, the, the meditation, um, the out of body experiences that I had. Uh, and then, of course, the people that I would make contact with and meet and the, the messages that I would get from multiple uh, psychic women. And at first I decided to write a screenplay, but um, I was convinced that it, it was much too difficult. So I set off to, to write the novel. And the, the interesting thing is that one uh, weekend in May, uh, I wrote the entire uh, outline of the novel, 31 pages um, straight in one weekend. And I did not stray from that outline to put it together. Did you feel that uh, that was an inspiration? I mean, I, I, there's a I lot of words that, for uh, it. I had some, some sort of um, a, uh, assistance, you know, 
something that was uh, you know, in, inspiring me in, in the spiritual realm that uh, was guiding me to, to put together the plot, to uh, put together the, the characters, and to make it um, you know interesting so that um, because let's face it, my if I wrote it as a memoir, it would be boring because my uh, there isn't aside from the uh, experiences I had and and the uh, you know the contacts that I had, there are a lot of people out there that have had a uh, much more interesting contact, uh, much more direct contact than myself, and um, I decided to make it into a science fiction where I could stretch a little bit uh, on and to make it entertaining at the same time. And I also yes, needed to protect the needs of the people that that I was writing about. Um, so, you know, the, every character is based on a real person, but I did not use their names. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, they appreciate that. And uh, well, did you ever have any kind of fears of coming out with uh, your experiences uh, due to your military background? No, uh, and uh, I'll tell you why. There's two things that uh, I feel uh, are um, are keeping me, you know, safe. First is that the whoever uh, you know is controlling the system, you know, the powers that be, you know, if you will. Uh, they want as much information out there as possible because uh, the layperson cannot really tell the difference between fact and fiction. And uh, it, it's like uh, um, the uh, X-Files, for instance. When, when X-Files is on and you see something outlandish uh, going on, you, you know that it, it's false. You know that it's nothing but fantasy. Um, and the people that are aware of things going on, they could tell where in X-Files they are revealing certain truths. However, not everyone is like that. The, the general public is, is not like that. So when the general public is exposed to all that information, they take it all the same way, where it's fancy. So um, the, the government or whoever is you know, in control of the powers of the they enjoy the first of all the internet, which is so full of information, and you can't really tell which is truth and which is which is not with all of the video hoaxes and stuff. Um, any little dash of truth in there um, is not going to be that big of a difference because because the the layperson will not um, will not be able to to interpret it as as fact. So I, I, I'm not I'm not concerned about that. Um, I'm also uh, really not a big fish in in that pond. I, I think there are people that are um, in much more harm's way when it comes to what they're writing about than myself. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, in your book, you're talking about. Uh, uh, talking with uh, uh, abductees, um, 
you seem to have some meeting some people with some kind of good, good so they have leadership abilities uh and they're kind of guiding you through the whole thing and uh it's almost like as soon as uh you you uh, want to learn something your master shows up as the saying goes that uh and it seems the same for you that you're uh you're, you've I have a friend that he's also was in Air Force. Uh, do you know Robert Salas? Captain Robert, Robert Salas. Salas. I, I him. Yeah. Was uh, wasn't he the the officer that that was uh, at Malmstrom and he's a, yes. he was a former missile there? Yes, that was him. And he yep. has always been forthright and honest about this, his whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and he has never feared either. So you're like the second one. I would be scared if it was I was you guys, but just, just telling the truth, nothing's happened to anybody, really. No, no. The, the, and and I think uh, the more people that come out actually and and say things um, will just you know it'll, it'll make it difficult to to shut everyone up. It it just won't won't happen. So. The, they like the idea of more and more information out there um, because what what they do is they just ignore it, whether it's truth or whether it's, it's fiction, they'll ignore it, and and that's fine. Um, we let the the public uh, decide what is uh, fact and fiction, and and hopefully you know if they put trust in me, uh, they'll they'll see that there's a, a lot of truth in the novel. Yeah, there is. I noticed that, and you are bringing up uh, some people that uh, we know well, and, uh, you know, we're fortunate that we're in a group that we can kind of recognize each other, and also we can tell if somebody's uh, not telling the truth or not. You know, it's almost like a inner, uh, inner recognition. To me, if I'm hearing a lie, I hear it. It sounds like a off tone to me. But uh-huh. you know, some you know, exaggerating doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? But if you're outright lying, like I saw an alien laying on my front lawn, that disturbs me. You know, it's just like, are you nuts or what? But because I, I'm for one thinking that they don't stand still long enough for you to take a picture. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, I, I really uh, have a negative uh, feeling towards people that uh, post um, hoaxes on on the internet. It, it does nothing to promote our our intent, and, and um, it does nothing to, to help uh, you know humanity in the long run. It just it, it just makes makes things uh, more difficult to to you know be able to explain to to clear you know the air uh, and get to the truth. Yes, it's um, you know you're right on page uh, twenty three. That it's interesting to be brought up because there's a mixture of of your you have your belief system that you were brought up with, and then you were presented with things that may I say illuminated your feelings about spirituality, and then you mentioned that uh, that Eric von Daniken was explaining the Book of Ezekiel. And that uh, that you listened to this when you were young. Like, how did this affect you of hearing this? Right. Um, 
the the main character um, during uh, the time that he's a, a teenager uh, accidentally, um, you know, goes upon a, a, a show, a late night uh, talk show uh, after listening to a rock station, and um, he hears stories about uh, the Bible, um, Ezekiel, all explained by um, Eric Van Donneken, which is the first time he hears about it. And he immediately goes in, uh, the next day to uh, the school, looks it up in the Bible, and sure enough, the, whatever Van Donneken uh, explained is right there uh, in black and white in the Bible. And then years pass, and Ancient Aliens comes on, and there's Eric Van Donneken, um Writing, uh, saying the same stuff, and, and right there, it it uh, it, it kind of uh, you know turns on a light for the the main character, and that's where he starts to um, be active in in research. Yeah, it's uh, it's I I uh, I'm impressed that how uh, your description of those experiences mixed in them with what is in our, our culture and the information is there. And do you find that uh, all these different people from all different walks of life are actually uh, meeting and meeting up in some kind of a divine plan? Well, do you think this is uh, all accident? Yeah, I, I can tell you this, that, um, uh, all the characters that are in the novel meeting the main character, um, there's a lot of synchronicity there. There's uh, an awful lot of uh, um, almost like what you say, um, you know, predisposition, where um, especially uh, if you call the, the colonel, um, the I call him uh, Gerald, uh, and uh, meeting that colonel uh, uh, and and having him open up about his own spirituality. Um, there's no way that, that those two could have met unless so many things happened uh, in in the life of the, the main character to, to get to that point, and. And what happened between those two uh, was actually uh, phenomenal, especially for the colonel because it opened up his eyes. Uh, because in, in fact, he was thinking that he was going, you know, he was going crazy with all the things that was happening to him—the spiritual things, the, the psychic things, uh, the, the visitations, all that stuff. He, he thought he was going nuts, and uh, if it wasn't for the main character uh, clearing things up for him. Um, Things could have been different for the colonel. Yes, and uh, you've had some uh, other, you know, odd experiences. Well, Lewis did. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he had some other experiences. I, I'll, I'll try to keep this straight. Uh, yeah, because I, I found a lot of this to ring true. That's why I'm having a little bit of difficulty keeping in the right person. Uh, I understand. You okay? It's, uh, it's, a, it's one of those, uh, you know, um, not so much of a secret anymore. You know. That's that's it, and 
Okay. So something very bizarre happened to me one time, and uh, I have I have, people know this, so you know I have an, a little bit issue of uh, what you see is not exactly what you're, is there. And one time I was in a Starbucks and I, I walked into a bathroom. I thought it was the bathroom, but when I looked in, it was like a mirrored closet with even a disco ball hanging from the ceiling. There was totally glass and mirrors on all sides. I looked in there and went, okay, I opened the wrong door. So I turned around to leave the room because I had stepped in. You know, you go in the bathroom and step in. And I was going to leave, and something told me to turn back. I turned around and looked at all the mirrors and everything else. There's no way a Starbucks would create a room like this. So I said, okay. I folded my arms. I said, show me. I don't know why I did it, really. And then pretty soon the rooms were fading. The, the, it looked like at one point the mirror was two-way glass. And then Starbucks bathroom presented itself. I said, thank you, you know, and then the bathroom. So you have an incident in your book, man, it just made me laugh, of Lewis. Uh, he headed to the men's room. And he turned to the lavatory to wash his hands and splash cool water on his face reaching for the paper towel dispenser, then he notices what? Uh, two uh, dark figures yes. behind him. Behind him. Yes. Yes. Um, so, okay, so the men in black are in the bathroom. Um, that, that episode that uh, you're describing um, is purely fiction. Okay. Then mine isn't. So, okay, so. <laughs> so, since there, uh, it doesn't, for me, um, you know, something I wanted to ask you about personally, that um, something that happened to me on, on uh, New Year's Eve, actually. And I was in a place with a lot of friends and my friend's family. And it's a, it's a place where uh, they shoot a lot of movies and commercials and shows. And it's just a big warehouse in El Segundo, very beautifully set up. And I was just sitting there, you know, it's New Year's Eve. Everything was fine. They had music going and everything. But during the night, this has to do with altered, altered reality. So I have never said this to the public, but I'm going to tell you, tell you right now because I want your take on it, that I noticed which was very odd. There was like a, they have a light show going and they have all kinds of stuff going on. So behind me, I was startled by a big white light on the wall, just a round regular light. It startled me and I, I looked at it, I went, okay, you're getting old, Charlene, you're getting uh, scared of uh, a light, you know, but okay, that was the first thing. And then I noticed the whole room was kind of, I was kind of uh, having kind of a, a weird experience where people were actually, I actually knew what was on their minds, you know, and it's, uh, was quite startling. So I said, okay, so I'm, I'm picking up on a lot of vibes here or whatever, how you want to put it, you know, but then I looked up and there was a light on the ceiling and strangely enough, this light appeared to have some intelligence. So it was actually following what I was thinking. So if I turn my head, it would follow my head or whatever. Anyway, I was thinking to me, I was thinking how a light have intelligence. 
And then I looked behind the stage and nobody's back there. I didn't anything. And then my friend, she was up on the dance floor. She turned around and looked at me and she said, that's weird. You know, our, that light is interacting with you. I went, you saw that? Anyway, I just want to tell you, I have these kind of odd experiences. Um, you know, what do you they, make of it? When I heard that, that uh, if there is a, a spirit near you, um, one, one of the things that they manipulate is, um, you know, things that have to do with electricity um, or, or light. So um, that's possibly what was going on. So what is manipulating that light? Um, just, I guess, another spirit, because, you know, we're talking about energy. So um, spirits uh, are pure energy, and, and um, they can impact, um, uh, you know, electrical items, equipment, uh, Light fixtures, anything that is, okay. is uh, powered. I'm getting it. I, I yeah, because I I really, what she saw was a look on my face because I was really tweaked my brain because I was thinking, okay, how does this work? Hmm. And I was trying to figure it out because I've never thought of that a light without mechanical beings that can be controlled like that. Or seem to be intelligent. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I had a, um, <laughs> when I was in New Orleans, um, and that this was while I was doing a lot of meditation. And I, I, I guess I, you know, I was told that. Uh, when you meditate, you exercise your pineal gland. When you exercise your pineal gland, you start to um, be a little more uh, cognizant about the things and start to have, you know, abilities about, um, you know, your, your psychic uh, abilities start to get exercised. And so I had a small episode where it manifested itself, um, and I was at the airport, um, and you know how you wait for uh, the baggage to come out of the, the conveyor? Um, yeah. The first thing that the, the, the uh, their machine does is it notifies with a, a buzzer or uh, with a light that uh, the baggage is, is about to come out. Well, before the baggage came out, before the light buzzed, I saw the light buzz. I, I saw the light illuminate before it even, um, you know, did the the actual uh, notification, which which is the way that it normally does. But I thought that was pretty interesting. A lot more uh, phenomenal than that. Yeah, but it's, there's still uh, something to it because I actually. Uh, I started looking looking it up on the internet. Is is light intelligent or or something like that? And something very unusual came up. You know, they brought that you know light travels in time, and you know the, the how long it takes to get to us and stuff like that. But that it does die out. So they were saying that 
the light itself has a life. Interesting. I know, very interesting thought. It's just, uh, you know. Now, how do you think that uh, your childhood, because you were, you were brought up uh, as a Catholic, and how do you think your, your uh, childhood impressed you to, for to this day on your spiritual beliefs? Um, I, I don't know. I think um, when, I, when I was young, I had a, a greater sensitivity about the, the stories uh, that we were being told, um, a higher uh, a kind of, of uh, awareness. Uh, and, you know, it, it, was, it was painful to listen to the stories that they were uh, saying about, you know, for instance, the crucifixion. And, uh, you know, when the, the nun would be saying things, uh, about uh, all of the, the, uh, the things that happened to Jesus uh, on the way to his crucifixion, um, I was envisioning uh, all of these things, and and I was to a point where where I could uh, almost feel the pain. But um, there were, and conversely, uh, I just didn't have a, a strong. Uh, conviction, uh, like the other you know kids, about uh, following the, the other things that uh, they were saying uh, that related to the, the, the religion. You know, for instance, like the um, the, the Virgin Mary and um, all of the, the things that they were saying about uh, what's happening during Exodus and uh, stuff like that. There were a lot of things that just didn't ring very true to me, um, and it just—I I, never—I never quite uh, got in line with with the rest of the, the students there, uh, and I, I was never comfortable with the teachings that that they were uh, giving me. I, I always had a, a sense. That um, there there was some misinformation there, that and there were things that I just couldn't believe. Yes. Um, well, I when I was a little kid, I also uh, I did send myself to nobody sent me anywhere, but I sent myself to I'm I'm Greek Orthodox. You know, my I was baptized into. Uh, the Greek Orthodox religion by my mother and uh, my grandparents were from Greece and I had the the big uh, uh, the the baptism and everything that I'm still very feel very blessed by but I was quite horrified when I decided I wanted to be a nun and I was a kid wow. and I was living in the San Francisco I was a kid in the Valley and I had a, had many experiences at, with a uh, higher power and uh, God saving me many times of 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 pretty extreme circumstances where um, I had you know one of the the situations that happened is uh, I'll try to get through the story fast but I had been cooking for the family and I was really short I had to stand up on a chair to cook and I leaned on a hot frying pan full of grease one of those big black cast iron pots 
and I leaned on the handle and it spilled right on my front. And uh, I remember it was excruciating pain. And I remember back then uh, the doctor would come and see you and they wrapped me up and they put stuff on me and wrapped me up like a mummy. And uh, he, I remember overhearing that he said to uh, my mother, she might need skin grafts. And I don't even think, I don't know if my mother knows this, this actually I could hear what she was saying uh, and the doctor was saying. But anyway, so that night I remember I had her sing me the Lord's Prayer to go to sleep with. And I remember being tucked in the bed and just calmly going to sleep. And I woke up the next morning and the doctor put me on the side of the couch and I was sitting on the arm of the couch and he unwrapped one leg and then he looked at it. Okay. And then he unwrapped the other one. And I remember when he unwrapped the other one, my right leg, he looked up at me really slowly and was looking at me in my face and with a look of astonishment and wonder. And I remember looking down at him and saying, can I go play now? I had not one blister, not one bruise, not one mark on me anywhere, nothing. It was gone, and I had that was one little one little thing that. But other than it, up until this day, I had the same kind of miracles happen. But um, I remember that my contact with God was a lot different than I was learning at the Catholic Church. You know what I mean? I still love the church, and I'm Greek Orthodox, but I went to Catholic too, so I understand. But I was appalled by some of the imagery and stuff. I really got scared. So one day I was in class, and, and you have to walk a certain way, and you have to be perfect, and you have to fold your hands and, and the sign of the and you have to do all kinds of stuff. Anyway, so uh, I was kind of a wild kid, but I still wanted to be a, a nun. So I was in there, and the, the, I remember the nun was screaming her head off and uh, shouting that we're all going to hell and, we are just a bunch of whatever she was calling us. It was pretty terrible. And then they, she said, are there any questions? <laughs> I looked around. Nobody raised their hand, so I raised my hand. And they looked at me scared. Now, I should have taken the hint right then, but I did. And I said, yes, I have a question. She said, what? And she, I said, what does this have to do with God? She came and beat the hell out of me with that ruler. You know what I mean? Then I realized I didn't want to be a nun so much. (laughs) Because my God and their version of God was like night and day, you know. And um, God bless that lady. I never have prayed for the woman. But anyway, she she ruined my nun life. But, you know, I went on to have kids, and I'm a great-grandmother now, so I'm happy with the whole situation. Everything's fine. But that was my... (laughs) That was my version of the whole thing, and I haven't really talked to anybody that was actually scared by them relating all this this uh, this gore that was going on. But when I read that you had this, well, Lewis had the same experience, you know, it would really identify with that. Why is it that everyone that has been brought up Catholic can identify with that kind of abuse? What? I don't. Know. Uh, there's something wrong about that. I don't understand because okay, so the, another thing happened. I was at working at this agency, and they wanted to take all the people out to see the Passion of Christ. Right? I couldn't do it. 
And I still, to this day, haven't seen the movie. I can't stand it. I know the the actor had a a, a, a transformation and an epiphany during his portrayal. And he's and he is one of my favorite actors. But uh, I couldn't stand that abuse. I just couldn't take it. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I don't either. And, and that's one of the things that uh, I, I just, uh, you know, it just didn't sit with me, um, and I, I knew it. There's nothing human about that. <laughs> There's nothing. It has not, nothing to do with love and compassion and, uh, yeah. you know, what, what they preach, forgiveness and all that. It, 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 all of that, that violence, especially when you expose kids uh, six, seven years old to that kind of graphic violence, there's something wrong with that. I, I think so. I think it was to terrorize you into being good or whatever. It just didn't work with me because I, I knew in uh, another guy that I still know that has given me many uh, miracles, you know, and I still believe in, you know, until this day. And my people that are close to me know that, uh, some of these are so dramatic, you know, some of the the things that have happened even recently. I had a, um, I had a heart attack back, uh, I, I don't know, I had some illness the last couple of years, you know, and uh, that's when we started talking and getting interested in doing this show together. But uh, I did have a heart attack and they, the, I was going into, uh, I had to get a surgery because I have a thyroid deal, you know, that was February. But the same time in February, they did one of those. They had me in there for you know those heart things where they go up your uh, usually your leg, but I they went up my arm. Thank God, you know. Um, I don't know what they call it. anyway. So they're going to put a stent in there, right? And to correct whatever was wrong with the uh, the heart thing. So you know they that was in there, and uh, uh, I remember waking up in uh, recovery. And um, the doctor came out, and he said, I, I want to talk to you about something. I went, yeah. He said, well, I want to tell you how everything went. He said, well, I went in there, and uh, you you do have a complete blockage of your your vessel. He said, but you have grown a new vessel, and it's quite robust, and it's running your whole body. I looked at him, and I was like, again? He said, what do you mean again? I said, I have this miracle stuff going on all the time. You know, it's just that even what led up to it was so bizarre, you know, um, (laughs) because I was with another heart doctor that was going to go put a stent in my heart. Right. But I looked in his eyes and I had, I I got overcome with morbid fear and I'm always thinking that people are going to think I'm crazy. Right. Like I'm going to be this crazy lady that thinks this doctor's a Nazi or whatever the hell I was thinking. I was saying, I just the way he looked at me, I said, you know, I'm not going to do this, but I have family that want me here on the planet, or I wouldn't do what you're saying to me. And he said, well, we're going to do it right away. I went, oh, really? Oh, so it was Monday. So we're talking on our Friday. I was like, oh, my God, this is happening too fast. So this is at a different hospital, too. So Sunday, somebody, uh, uh, a nurse or a male nurse or technician called me Sunday night about 8 o'clock. He said, I have to talk to you about something. I went, what? He said, well, the whole 
lab has blown up. The catheter thing has flooded out. I mean, we have to, uh, you know, just postpone the surgery for Monday. And I was thinking, hallelujah, I'm not the crazy one. You know, so I called my doctor that Monday and I said, doctor, you know how afraid I was. And you, you said I should do this, but the lab broke. Can I go over to Little Company Mary now? She says, yes. And so I met a very wonderful doctor there. And then he he's the one who said that I have a new valve. So what do you think about that, Paul? <laughs> Seems like uh, <laughs> you're being um, saved for a, a reason. You, know, you you still have a, a role to to play uh, uh, for for someone. For, exactly. You know, you know, everyone. Uh, you know, as I mentioned in my novel, um, others have greater influence on ourselves than we have on ourselves, and. Uh, it's quite possible that you still have a lot of influence uh, to take care of before you graduate to the next level. You know, I I know that because when I read this in your novel, I knew that you were absolutely correct because it's not only you, it's not only me. I have other friends that we're, we're actually being able to glimpse into something that is happening. I didn't know it would happen this abruptly, you know, that I was on the phone with somebody uh, March 3rd. I have a date for it even. And for some reason, I got up during the phone call. I got in my car. I drove down to the – I was still talking the whole time. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm driving. He said, what are you driving? I said, I don't know. I have to go down this uh, this mobile station down at the corner. I'm near Crenshaw, near the what used to be Dow Chemical Company and uh, the mobile refinery and then there's this gas station. So I went to that gas station. So I walked in, so I'm still talking to my friend, and he's listening on the phone. And I walk up to this thing, and he's saying, well, you know, that whole Crenshaw's, uh, you know, I get a strange vibe from the South Bay. And I turned around, I looked at the refinery, and I said, yes, I do too. And there's been a lot of strange experiences I've had on Crenshaw itself, Boulevard. And this is in Torrance, California. But anyway... Um, I turned back and I looked at the the guy at this the you know the gas station guy, and his whole computer system went down, and he immediately started sweating bullets. I mean, he was sweating and he looked terrified. And I said to my friend on the phone, I said, "Oh my God, it's coming down right now." He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "All the electronics just blew up." And I looked at the man and I said calm down, it's going to go back on in just a couple minutes. Because he was so frightened, I think it made the situation worse, you know. So all of a sudden, we waited a couple minutes, and I kept kept giving him the vibe where stay calm, because I was witnessing the fear that people probably fear when things come down. You know what I mean? Because why would he be sweating that bad? He was really, it happened automatically. I said, just calm down now. And the way I was talking... And he got it rebolted by some odd reason. It all came back on tonight. And then when I left the, the and got sat back in my car to begin pumping gas, I told him, like, this is the way it's going to come down. Just when we turn around and it's going to be different. And I swear to you, this was March 3rd. You know what's happened to the world since then. It's different. Sure. Yeah. March 13th is when um, things really uh, became real, uh, I, yeah. I guess. It, it, at least to me, March 13th was the one, because it was, it was Friday the 13th, 
when everyone yeah, kind of like, oh boy. Yeah, I remember. It's uh, It was quite startling, but also uh, it's a necessity. Like, I think what, uh, you know, people have, you know, the end times feeling and they have this feeling. They don't understand, like, now people everywhere experiencing a literal altered reality. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, to me, uh, I, I saw it as, as an opportunity for people to change their ways. Uh, if you look at uh, the levels of pollution around the planet, uh, that decline, um, there, there were um, other really positive things that came out from this. You know, the, uh, the, uh, the drop in oil prices, uh, meant a uh, almost a shutdown of the fracking industry and um, yet you know we've got entities that want to prolong and you know um, and, and support those, those things that uh, we know uh, are our negative elements in our uh, you know day-to-day life or at least the way it was before uh, I still have a feeling that that things could still change for the positive. Yeah, I believe that it's a it's a a little a little uh, wake up call, kind of a a timeout, if you would say, of uh, yeah. see what's going to happen. And I think it's also even a kindness that um, I don't think a lot of people thought we're just going to be hit by a a meteor or or we're going to be they're going to take us out with a laser beams or something like that. But the uh, this one, this shutdown has been so disorientating for uh, many, many people. But I've had such odd yeah. experiences that led me up to being prepared. Like uh, like you said, people have said, well, you're the one, one of those ones that is going to stay calm in the middle of the craziness because you've been there, done that, and or something. It's uh, you, you said it better than I'm saying it. I'm in the feelings of it. I can't escape my feelings. <laughs> yeah. We're all going to be taken there, kicking or screaming. Or this this one, the shutting down part was was quite astronomical because it's not just shutting down the town, which I have experienced in in some of my strange experiences. You know, I've I've been there when two shut towns were shut down. But to have a whole world shut down is quite extraordinary. The the one thing that uh, I keep seeing on the internet is uh, this, this uh, asteroid that uh, is supposed to be larger than um, you know than, than our planet, and I, I keep seeing things like that. And I I've seen that so much, uh, especially back in 2012 when we were talking about the, the Mayan calendar and they were talking about the bureaus and, and things like that. Yeah. That, um, I, I've become, uh, you know, desensitized. I, I, I don't even have an interest in in clicking on the article and reading about it. I, I just um, blow it right by. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't, but this just I just see the same messages over and over again uh, that are fear-based and uh, and that's a, a, a troubling thing too that, that, that 
virus problem, they, they want to see more. I, I don't know. I I agree with you. It's like uh, humans will never learn, you know. And then that's why I brought up <laughs> that's why I brought up the thing that you said that was sort of like the prophetic issue, you know, was saying that uh, you say I'll repeat it again. You say that Earth humans are to remain under the universal quarantine until they mature yeah. spiritually. And when you when you said that, it just like oh my God, it's so true. Yeah, um, and I don't know. I think a, a lot of people um, would agree with that. And uh, you know, you're talking about um, Michael Salas, and I wonder what he would say about that um, that that observation. Um, our relationship with the rest of the universe. Um, uh, and it's based on our spirituality and, and that um, we are inherently barbaric, uh, violent, um, genocidal. Uh, I wonder what, what you would think about that. Hmm. I wonder. You know, um, it reminded me of um, that movie Contact that... Uh, hmm. When everybody, you know, when she met her father on the shore, do you remember that? Jodie Foster met. Oh, yeah, it's met. one of my favorite uh, films, and, and that, that's one of my favorite scenes. It's a, um, it's a very emotional scene. Yes, yeah. It's just the feeling of that that gave me is just sweeping over me because he, she was asking those questions. He tells her uh, something to the effect that um, you humans are so amazing. You can make the most beautiful and creative things, and yet you can be the most destructive. Or something to that effect. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Of course I do. And then she asked, you know, why is it? Why are you here? Why is it done this way? Because they're men on like a, almost like a seashore. And uh, yeah. uh, and he said, I don't know. This is the way it's always been done. You know, it's like, this is all we can stand. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, I agree with you. That was one of the most profound things I've ever seen in a movie. But it's, uh, you, you talk a, about something like that a little bit. It's, um, can I switch to something, I, I, something I want to know about? And you're referring okay. it to it in your book, and it's a, it's about the Watchers. Can you tell me something about that? Yeah, the Watchers. Uh, uh, the the entities that would communicate to me through um, the spiritual mentor uh, eventually reveal themselves as uh, calling themselves the Watchers. Um, their role is essentially to monitor um, the human race, uh, perhaps provide some guidance. Uh, but uh, it's a benevolent role. Um, it's a hands-off role, but uh, they were um, they were communicating with me in vague ways. You know, I, I would always ask the question, "Well, look, what am I supposed to do?" And and they would come back with the same uh, response: "Just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing fine. Uh, we'll let you know if." if things uh, uh, get difficult. Um, 
but it was always a, a very uh, ambiguous kind of communication, nothing that would be profound. But the message was always the same. We're watching you. Um, we are, um, uh, I guess, you know, we'll always be with you. Uh, and, and I'm sure I'm probably not the only one that they did to communicate with, but um, who they are. And apparently in the Bible, uh, the term watchers is also um, mentioned in the Old Testament. Yes, I have. I haven't researched that yet because it, whenever it enters my mind, I somehow uh, don't want to acknowledge being watched. I guess I don't know. It's just one of my, one of my uh, something I haven't gone into usually because I'm afraid. I'm afraid to find out. You know, so even though I have a lot of extraordinary experiences that have have shown me there's uh, some objects that we would consider inanimate or actually have a a life source and they are alive at their certain level, and that uh, once in a while that they will speak to us. And I I noticed that in your book you talk a lot about the Native American spirituality. And uh, what I'm talking about is really akin to that, but it's quite startling to me as a pretty traditional uh, Greek Orthodox person to have all these uh, mystic experiences that include uh, plants and animals and things like that. And you mentioned that in your book, as, as some of these people are your guides, are the loose guides. Right, yeah. The, the Native American uh, part is, you know, it, it was there. Uh, I, I put uh, Mary Ellen in there. Uh, Mary Ellen really is a character made up of two or three uh, real-life women that I knew, that I know that are, are psychic. And I made her as a Hikaria Apache, so the plot made sense. Um, I don't know anyone that is Native American Korea Apache. Um, I I made that up, but the character and her uh, her effect on the main character—that's all yeah. real. Yeah, that's. Uh, I have the real feeling of it that it, that it is true, and um, you know, it's something that um, since I'm not Native American, that um, I've always felt a kinship with them. You know, just to, you know, because I know people that are American, they go out and they, they live with the Indians and stuff like that. I'm just kind of embarrassed to do it. You know, as a matter of fact, I was in the school, I was in school with a guy that uh, he was Apache, and I remember him sitting there, and he, he looked very typical uh, Native American. And we were talking about it one time because me and him had extraordinary experiences when we were kids of like a happiness and we're the only two that had mentioned uh, that there was a big group of us and uh, we're all getting our substance abuse uh, certification and the teacher was saying can you recall something that was like the highlight of your childhood and he said I was given my first baby calf to raise 
and he told the story about it, and it was really like ecstasy. It would be me like me when I was a kid, like getting a pony. You know what I mean? I would have done the same thing. I would have been deliriously happy. And mine was, is when I was 13, and I I tried out with a lot of other kids in the school. This is upstate New York. And I tried out in Poughkeepsie, yeah, in Poughkeepsie, by the way. But I was, like, trying out, and I was I had to be around 11 or 12. So, you know, it's that, that geeky stage, that, you know, but I tried so hard and to dance and do this. And I was one of the four couple the girls that were picked out of the whole school to do this dance. And I was partnered with one of the best dancers, boy dancers in school. And so we were partnered and we did these dances and stuff like that for a school auditorium thing. And anyway, that was when I walked into the room in my costume, everybody ran up to me and said how beautiful I looked and everything. Cause I had like a senorita gigum, uh, red and white little check skirt and a ruffle blouse and a flower in my hair. And I just felt accepted. You know, it's hard when you're 12, going on 12, you know, when you're a geek to ever feel that happiness. So that's what I said. I was happy and I felt confident and I had won, you know, and everybody acknowledged it, you know what I mean, and were happy for me. Nobody else in the class but me and this Native American kid had any experience, high point like that. People can be lacking, but I know that you're not one of them because you have quite a lot of accomplishments and gratitude throughout your life, I feel. Um, well, you know, I, I, I've had a pretty fortunate life. Uh, I've had a lot of, of uh, turns, um, some for a good, some for not good, but um, every, everything that occurred to me was for a reason. And um, Yeah. That's the way I interpret things. Yeah. It's not like yeah, it's uh, that, that I'm I'm fatalistic, you know, where um, you know, I uh, where you know, you, I don't think I have control over what's going on. Um, we we do have uh, influence, but um, it the the end result will will be uh, predetermined. Yes, it's, um, I have this here as a Mary Ellen. Um, she, was, uh, she reveals her own unique identity, and it said it, it quite touched me, and as well as abductees and veterans uh, are involved in assisting civilizations towards its true destiny. I was quite touched by the point of your book. Can you tell us uh, some more about that? Uh, you're talking about destiny and, and fate and, and yeah. things like that? Yeah. Right. Um, well, I think uh, everyone has a role um, that uh, they're supposed to have um, when they are on this planet. Um, as, as I mentioned, this planet is uh, actually a school for the spirits. And um, when we are uh, our spirits are in our, our body. Um, the body is uh, the vessel to carry on a certain role or mission um, or a lesson. And um, so the, that's part of the, the destiny that we, we have. Um, 
along the way um, are are impacted uh, really by by others. So it's important for for people to understand that um, we have a great impact on others and um, concentrate on treating others uh, in a more humane way. Um, it, it makes a quite a, a significant uh, you know impression on them, but um, Overall, if, if everyone uh, behaved that way, uh, it would certainly improve things uh, here. Um, now, as, as I mentioned, uh, you know, the planet is, is a school for our spirits, and um, it's uh, the the concept of karma is, is uh, manifested in people's lives. So. Uh, one thing about about karma is that people uh, think that it, it's a um, a real time kind of thing, but really, karma is about the the law of of, of incarnation. And so, an individual, for instance, that has lived a life as a rapist, if you will, uh, will return to learn the lesson again, and uh, his role will probably be. Uh, a victim of rape to learn to learn that lesson to learn uh, what it was would be like to be on the receiving end of such a, a terrible um, act and and so on. So um, that's that's some of the messages that I have in in the novel. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know I loved your book. I, I highly advise the disclosure paradox. Um, tell them about your website. Oh, sure. Uh, the website is www.thedisclosureparadox, all one word, .com. And in the website, um, people could read excerpts from every, not, uh, every chapter. They could read uh, reviews, which, by the way, I'm getting really nice reviews from folks. Um, it's enjoying a 4.5 rating right now on Amazon with 25.4 reviews. Um, they could read about the uh, the chapters, um, you know, the table contents. They could read about the characters, um, and there's other things in there, like uh, I, I mentioned about uh, being on interviews and such like that. And you know, without any you know financial commitment, it's, it's where you can go in there and, and spend a lot of time reading stuff. Yeah. Well, what's coming up next for you, Paul? Uh, you read about Katrina? Yes. And do you know who Katrina is? No. Okay, that's, that's all right, because <laughs> I am writing a prequel. I'm writing a prequel and it's about Katrina. And um, it's not spiritual like this novel, um, and there's not that much uh, E.T. mentioning. It's mostly about uh, how she became a um, psychokinetic and uh, her involvement with the CIA and how she learned that the CIA liked to... Um, 
it's kind of like an expose of the CIA where they uh, encourage sociopaths to join their ranks and they allow rogue uh, organizations to carry out very devious tasks um, without mm-hmm. any receipts. Um, there's a story about uh, the search for bin Laden. There's a story about um, that's right, Al-Qaeda that's right. and how um, Al-Qaeda tried to contact her and make her one of them. Um, and it's all true. But once again, I'm using um, fictional names, and there is going to be some fiction in there. So it's very similar to the disclosure paradox and concept, but it's a prequel, and it's all true. Wow, interesting, because I saw it, and then I just I forgot in what context it was. But then when I read that, I went, oh, okay, this stuff really happened. So <laughs> I don't know. I just want to commend you on on being an honest and upright person and putting it down to paper because a lot of us had all this stuff going on and nobody wrote about it, you know, because we asked. Because yeah. I, 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 I actually, do you you know who John Mack is? Tom Mack. John Mack. John Mack. Oh. Yeah, he. Yeah, he's the. Yeah, he's the one who helps experiencers, you know, through their experience and everything. And uh, he was instrumental in getting me into a group called Ciro for experiencers, because I am one. And uh, also I'm one of those uh, weirdos that was taken to the underground military stuff and all that. So this has been going on all my life. And uh, he got me into a group here called Ciro. And it's for... uh, a place for, you know, if people want to Google it, support for people that have been abducted or have experiences they can't explain. And I was quite traumatized in the 80s. That's why I wrote to John Mack when he was at Harvard and he's still alive. And um, he got he got me help that I really needed. So I started finding a lot of like-minded people. So I identified in the book with Lewis when he was going to these conferences and finding everybody. And, you know, it's just uh, it's kind of remarkable that we're all in this together. As strange as some of these incidents are, but we're not we're not alone. No, um, no, not at all. No, no. But the what I try to do is I try to link our spirituality to the UFO ET uh, phenomenon, because people have questions about our spirituality. People have questions about the ET phenomenon. People have questions about you know the powers that be. Um, yeah. And the novel ties it all together. Yeah, and I like the way you did it too, because you're giving a lot of information, and uh, I, I know I enjoyed it, and I want to thank you very much for my copy. And um, people, you know where to get it. Just go Google. Uh, uh, spell your name, Paul. P a u l v e c c h i e t. Did I get it right? Yes, correct. Okay. So uh, to get his book, you're honored to really have you on the show. And are there any parting words you have for anybody or anything else you have left to say to us as as we're all hunkering down in filters? Sure, sure. Um, One of the things that I wanted uh, people to take away from 
uh, after reading the novel, uh, is that we there there is a greater power um, that uh, is around us, and and we're part of it actually. Um, but the other thing is to understand that that greater power can be explained with science and physics. So the intent of the novel is to bridge that gap between religion and science. And um, it's interesting that I, I get a lot more um, negative feedback from atheists than I mm. do from religious people on the novel. Because they, in fact, uh, one atheist was thinking that I was politicizing uh, and, and he accused me of being, you know, a conservative extremist uh, because I, I was writing so much about um, the religious stuff and, you know, the, the, uh, the definition of, of God and the source and all that. And it, it was uh, troubling. Um, I, I tried to get into a discussion with him and it was very difficult to, <laughs> to meet his mind on, on things. So that, that's what I wanted people to, to take away from it. Yeah, so to keep an open mind and uh, know that I, I do believe in uh, an intelligence that's power over everything. And um, this is even the, the best, greatest, smartest people in the whole world are saying it comes down to this. This couldn't have happened by random. You know what I mean? If there was a chicken first, the chicken did have to lay, lay an egg. You know, it's like that. You know, there was some kind of a remarkable uh, force that created us all and that we, you know, I feel like sometimes people have a hard time humbling themselves to a creator. I don't understand because it's it's known. Even I've even seen animals that I have been there uh, you know, go through their unfortunate deaths, you know, and they come to me to, to pass away. And I have felt their little souls leave. And they all fly up and ask for God. You know, every every one of them has the same, uh, you know, rapturous thing and call out for God when you're scared at the last minute. So as one guest speaker I, I, I witnessed a long time ago, he said, there is no atheist in the foxhole. Because he right. was in World War II. He said, everybody's in there praying. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. I think people have the luxury to say that um, a higher power doesn't exist, you know. And it's it's hard to, for I think some to, um, they're not even seeing what's in front of their face. That's what's so odd. Things have gotten so strange that they will not see what's standing in front of them. They refuse to see a certain reality because it's it's uh, something they don't understand. Right. Yep. I think it's just strictly out of fear. So I want to thank you so much uh, for uh, all the work that you're doing, the the help you're giving people that I know you're giving, and the the book that I was very impressed by. And I encourage everybody to go out and get it. And uh, I want to thank you for. Um, being on our show and being our guest and uh, kicking off a new season for us. And uh, I want to, God bless you and yours, you know, stay well through this uh, whole thing and you're welcome back anytime. Cause I really do want to hear about this next book. Okay. Thanks. Sharon. 
Thank you for having me, and it's been an honor to be your first uh, guest on your new season. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Take care, and happy to have you anytime. Take care. Bye-bye. So we're now at the end of our show, and I'd like to thank all the listeners that were listening and friends and family and um, just people worldwide. Uh, We're being reached all over the world, and people with their in their own language, which is really wonderful that it's being just transcribed. I, I'm being su- supported by people all the way in Africa or Asia or India or South America. And I want to tell every one of you, I want to thank you so much for having faith in me and keeping me going and having me back on the show. And we're going to, uh, if you need to contact me, Follow the links to contact me, and you can leave a message if you'd like to be part of our show or for general help and assistance. You know, And I want to thank our guest, Paul Vichet, again, and um, thank everybody that was listening. And the show is going to be archived, and you'll be able to listen to it as many times as you want after, after it's rendered on this show. And be sure to tell your friends. And Paranormal and the Sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And God bless everybody. Stay well. Hide out. It's a time of hiding and praying and uh, trying to eat right, which isn't happening. But anyway, try to do it anyway. God bless you. If you need anything, let me know. May your best dreams come true, and God bless you always. Take care. Bye-bye.